0: You're listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Crawford. In this episode, I interview Floodtide Company founder and artist Paul Puckett, and uh, we dive into everything from his recent uh, trip to the Seychelles to some of the pretty amazing um, things that Flood Tide's doing on the sustainability front. So, hope you enjoy This episode of The Sustainable Angler is brought to you by Emerger Strategies, guiding businesses on their sustainability journey towards zero waste and carbon neutrality. Use your business to save the planet. All right, um, so welcome to The Sustainable Angler podcast uh, recorded live at the flood tide Co. Oh, yeah they love that rick they do love that don't they <laughs> recorded live at the flood tide co laboratories <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm i'm here with uh, flood tides um, i what, is, what are we artist and resident own, owner I, think, I don't even know
1: anymore yeah. honestly um, yeah
0: mr mr paul puckett thank you thank you for joining <laughs>
1: Oh, thank, yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. It's good to be here. Thanks for asking me to be on.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely.
1: Um, it's about time. But anyway, uh.
0: <laughs> um, well, hey, I, I uh, we were talking the other day, and if you're not totally um, over talking about the trip to the Seychelles, give me a little. G- 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 give the kids a little something. Give well, me what they want. it's
1: it's it's actually still heavily on my mind every. I probably think about it about 13 times a day um and, yeah i mean it's it's one of those places that i never thought i'd ever go to um you see in this world of fly fishing and adventure and travel you see a lot of these people going to these places and i don't know it's just it's one of those things i never thought i would do and because of a good friend of mine in houston uh garrett gordy he took a group, and there was an open spot, and I was able to go on that spot. So because of his uh, unselfishness, I guess is the best word, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was able to go. So uh, amazing place, long way to get there, but totally worth it. Uh, when I was on the way back, I was suddenly thinking to myself, man, I would not want to do this for another four or five years, but if you asked me to go tomorrow, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, it's everything that's advertised. The guides are amazing. We were on Cosmelito, which normally would be a, a mothership boat. But this is the first year they have an uh, on-island, on Wizard Island, which is one of the little pieces of the atoll, they have an eco-camp, which essentially is storage containers that they've turned into little cottages. Nice. So I don't really know what makes it eco-camp. I mean, I guess everything is sustainable on that island. Like, they make their own water. from They desalinate the water. Yeah, reverse osmosis. Um, Yeah. Hey, there you go. I've been wanting to know how the hell they do it. I know that every glass of water they told me is worth 3 to $4. Yeah. So that's why they don't have alcohol included on the trip because basically every time you drink water, you're drinking your alcohol. So them charging $7 for a beer really is a pretty good deal. Right. But, you know, honestly, beer and alcohol wasn't the thing you think of first. You think of water at all times. I mean, I probably, well, I mean, just to get into it, I don't think I peed for like two and a half days being there, honestly. It was crazy what? how much water you drink. And also they 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 say you drink double the amount of water because the water there doesn't have any minerals and electrolytes in it because mm-hmm. they're getting it out of the salt. So I was totally fascinated by how much water I was drinking and how um, that whole process worked. And then you start thinking, this is really salt water and there's no electrolytes or minerals in it, but it still tastes so damn good. But right. anyway, so that was cool and the the meals were unbelievable they have a, a kitchen staff there uh, a a couple married couple from south africa it, it, so everything was top notch mm-hmm. you're thinking you're in the middle of nowhere on a little island it's already going to be awesome even if i had to like sleep under the stars on a cot but everything past that was incredible
0: so and the fishing was amazing yeah yeah and and so to, how about the the, the the journey to get there. Because that's something that I didn't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like you get, you can go a couple of different ways, but long story short, once you get to the Seychelles, you've still got a, way, a little way yeah, to go. Yeah,
1: it's probably the equivalent, and I don't have a map to scale it out, but it's probably the equivalent of getting, flying to Bozeman and still needing to get to Key West. You know <laughs> okay. what I mean? Like right. you still have to fly a five-hour flight no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting that reverse. From Dubai, you still had to fly five hours to Mahe. Yeah. So that's probably like flying from L.A. to New York. Yeah. And then two one-hour-and-15-minute pedal jump flights, which is probably from, you know, New York to Charleston. Yeah. And then an hour-and-a-half boat ride, which is probably like getting to Savannah. So, I mean, th-
0: this is super remote.
1: Yeah, and that's not counting the flight from Houston to Dubai. You know what I mean? It's just... And then you start thinking you're just like this tiny speck of sand out in the Indian Ocean. Like it's it's already uncomfortable if you're like you're out in the middle of the Atlantic or Pacific, but you're like in a whole world away. And the closest reference you can think is Madagascar. How many times have you thought in your life I'd be close to Madagascar <laughs> or Africa? I mean, right, right. so. And then, yeah, it's just and the fishing was unbelievable. So many different species. I didn't catch a, like a lot of the guys during the wrong tides of catching GTs or or permit or bones or triggers, they would go do what's called dredging. And you can see the coral heads 10 to 12 feet down, sometimes even 20 to 30 feet down, and they'd put a big egg weight on their fly line and just see what kind of species you get. I mean, there's a whole arsenal of, like, grouper, uh, rasps, Napoleon rasps, the crazy stuff. I mean, it looks like a crazy artist like Jackson Pollock just went and covered these fish with paint and just did what they... It's crazy. Some of the pictures I've shown you... Yeah. These bright red fish, it's just, it's amazing to think that that's under the ocean. Yeah. It's just, anyway, so all that stuff, and then you combine that with GT fishing, trigger fishing, trigger fish fishing, the milks came into play too, the huge bone fish. I found myself looking for permit, and you would just have these schools of, you know, eight, five to 20 bone, bone fish, all five to 12 pounds letting them swim by you and purposely saying no i'm not going to cast it because i'm looking for a <laughs> permit and then they go by and you're thinking you're sitting there thinking well next week i'm gonna be back in charleston <laughs> wondering why the hell i didn't just cast that bonefish but the one time i did i catch this bonefish having one for three or four minutes all of a sudden the guy goes permit coming i'm just so garrett casted this permit had a pretty good shot on him but i had to corral that bonefish by the boat as good as possible then i was thinking well that might actually excite the fish you never know sometimes when you have a fish on and it's dancing around it sometimes doesn't hurt to have that right. but anyway permit with fishing was tough. There weren't a lot of permits but man that gt was incredible Yeah, the big the big boy yeah, the big yeah. girl whatever whatever it was whatever it is yeah um, i know it was on a flat that it wasn't supposed to be <laughs> they say that typically you don't catch an 80 to 100 pound gt on a flat that's typically like a surf surf type thing we were in two to three feet of water
0: that's unreal
1: so it was incredible yeah yeah, yeah.
0: well you mentioned um you know, look like Jackson Pollock and painting something. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna take the leap here and talk a little bit about um, how did you get into your art um, and just how, how did that whole uh, world open up for you?
1: Yeah, uh, I'd have to say I've always, you know, when you're a kid, every kid goes to art class. You always draw all through elementary school. Half your activities you do are drawing or pasting or cutting. You're always doing art stuff. I think it's one of those things I just stuck to where other kids lose interest in it. So I've been doing art as long as you basically have been doing art when you were a little kid. But I just kept doing it and kept finding interest in it. Uh, And then in high school is when I started really getting into fishing. I've been fishing ever since I was a little kid with my granddad like everyone has. And uh, I started combining all my art projects, subject matter to fishing. I just remember always walking in our baseball locker room. I always had some painting I was working on because you had to go home with it and work on it. And I remember the guys would always be making fun of me. Oh, he's an artist. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, typical jocks in the baseball room. And when they started seeing that there they were bass and trowel, like, Oh, that's pretty cool, man. And mm-hmm. I remember one time I had a Jimi Hendrix project I was working on. So, uh, I was basically good at two things, baseball and art in high school. Is what it comes down to. My dad was a science teacher. So it, I think it bothered him a lot that I wasn't worth a shit. And I don't know <laughs> if I can say that math and science, but, uh, but yeah, I just kept doing it in college. Uh, the plan was to do graphic design because that's basically a, a way you can do art and you also get a job. Right. And somehow I finally finished college, and then I went to North, and then I went to Wyoming, Jackson, yep. which you're familiar with. And my dad, you know, I finally finished school. He's like, I can't believe you're finally finished school and you're going to, to fish. You're going to go fishing. I go, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it because I worked for West Bank Anglers all through college in Dallas. Uh, okay. So it naturally happened where I moved to the one in Wyoming. I was going to guide, and I learned how salty and crusty those guides can get. And they, I didn't want to do that because I was getting three days off. I was able to fish whenever I wanted to, and that's kind of how that all evolved. And actually in Jackson, I didn't paint much at all, which is crazy. I just I, I fished and skied and partied, basically. Yeah. So I, I remember I worked on like... Familiar with that, that, yeah, that lifestyle yeah. in, in Jackson. In the winter, you're just a sloth. It's like just dark and dreary and cold. You're either worried about skiing or someone's house party. And yeah. I just didn't paint much. And when I left it and moved back to Atlanta, I moved to Atlanta from Dallas, Texas originally. I moved to Atlanta and just realized that I missed it for four years and uh, started working in a fly shop again and started my painting career there and just figured I would give it 10 years. And I think I'm in 15 year. <laughs> in year 15 <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling all right about yeah, it yeah. it worked so, out yeah
0: um well you know obviously your your art and, and getting back into um, I guess you never got out of fly fishing but m- the move to Atlanta picking up your art how did that transition lead you into starting flood tide company or what's, what's the backstory how, how yeah
1: out? yeah my my whole back back fishing story is excuse me is mainly freshwater. Bass fishing in Texas, striper fishing in Texas, going to the coast a little bit. I didn't really have a whole lot of knowledge about it. And then they stocked trout in Texas, so I'd go trout fishing. And then Arkansas, I found Arkansas, White River in Arkansas. So I would go to White River in Arkansas two or three times a year with my buddies, my dad. And that's where I was, this is it for me. This trout fly fishing is it for me. So the second I could get out of there, I moved to Wyoming. Went out there and caught as many damn fish as I could. And then moved to Atlanta, and Atlanta is actually a great fishing town. I mean, you've got the Chattahoochee, which has wild trout. Mm-hmm. Then they have, as you move down the river, you got stock trout and wild trout. And then you have just stock trout. Then you have stripers. You have red-eye bass. And you have trout in the mountains. You have uh, the Flint River, which has an amazing fishery. And then you got the coast three and a half hours away. Yeah. So with all that in mind, I started going to the Georgia coast a lot, and I was like, okay, saltwater this is it like forget trout fishing. Right. I'm now eating, I'm now catching fish that can be eaten by other fish. Right, like right. the, and just the whole thing with the, the mystery of the tides, the weather, it's never perfect. And I started going to the, and also I started coming to Charleston a lot for seaweed to do my art show. Uh, right, right. So I fell in love with Charleston and I fell in love with like Sullivan's Island. And I just, all I wanted to do, I was so addicted to just catching a redfish. And It took me a long time to do it because every time I'd go down there, the weather would be crappy or the tides weren't right, so I just totally got addicted to it. And I was like, You know, I was also doing a lot of designs for the companies, uh, True Flies, I did some stuff for Patagonia, Sims, and uh, I'm missing one, I can't think. I did some stuff for Yeti, too. Yeah, and so I would find these companies like wanting my artwork, and I was like, why, why wouldn't I just start my own deal?
0: Yeah,
1: and do stuff for them. So the whole idea. And I came up with this logo because I had redfish on my mind, Flood Tide Company, because I would only go down the coast when there was a flood tide. Mm-hmm. And I loved redfish, so I just, you know, simply put a redfish tail on top of Flood Tide Co., nothing mm-hmm. too extravagant, but it seemed to stick. And then Will Abbott kind of came around to me and was like, man, let me help you get this thing going. And then next thing you know, we have a apparel company. At first, it was just kind of goofing around with Johnny Cash holding a fish, you know, uh, Walter from Big Lebowski, it wasn't really ever planned to have anything like this. Right. And next thing you know, you know, we're selling this stuff, you know, in a closet and, you know, then I get an attic little studio with inventory and it's just next thing you know, we have this place in West Ashley. So. Well,
0: well were, were, were y'all, were you actually printing shirts? At no,
1: the attic? no, 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 no. We've never actually printed.
0: Gotcha, Yeah.
1: If you know anything about a screen printing, it's a, yeah, whole another operation.
0: Gotcha. Um, well, that's interesting. So, so from the attics to the this live studio audience and, mm-hmm. and uh, well, are you and, <laughs> oh,
1: There they are. There
0: they are. We found them. Really, they're really enjoying this. By the way, they are. Um,
1: I think you. Get a, whoa, there it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Thanks, all right. guys. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. There you go. Um. So. So you get flood tide off the ground. Um, you've got this new great uh, location in, in West Ashley. Um, and just curious also about, you know, at what point were you, did you all decide, hey, you know, we, we'd, we'd like to sort of, we made, at what point did you make the decision you wanted to protect what you love and, and looked into becoming 1% for the planet members and, and, and how would that work out?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like I've never been on the forefront of that kind of thinking. It's just, it's not that I'm against it by any means, obviously not. Cause we're working with you and now it's a big part of our, our scope and our vision, but it just, I was so, uh, distracted by literally coming up with designs, figuring out the next shirt, blah, 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 this, that. And, uh, and I knew it was something that I figured, I just, at the time, I figured other people will deal with it. They'll, they'll be the ones that help out the planet and do all that stuff. And then I got, Will told me one day, man, we got this guy, I got this guy, Rick Crawford. He won't leave me alone, man. Um, We got to call him. We'll go have lunch with him. Just have him come over. Something about the planet and something about this. And I was like, all right. He's And Will just hates the word consultant, you know? So he's like, he's a consultant. So along came you, and you came and met with us, and you had this whole packet and this plan, and that was honestly the first day that I wouldn't say the light turned on that day, but it was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. Yeah. And the more, I think, by the third or fourth time you came, and then Lawson, it totally turned on for Lawson because Lawson was already kind of totally into it, so he was real intrigued with you and what you were bringing to the table. And since then, it's been just you helping us with that stuff and uh, you h- shedding the light on all this stuff and all these different resources here in Charleston and then past that 1% for the planet and so on. And I was intrigued with it a long time, like probably five or six years ago with my art. I thought about, you know, creating that, but I was like, man, I need every 1% I can get right now right, for right. being an artist. <laughs> so it just never really happened for me. I looked into it. But, you know, it's just one of those things that I'm glad we're involved with it now because not only is it something we need to do and everyone should try to do but it also just helps the business it just creates a good story yeah and i think at the end of the day it helps helps your bottom line yeah so
0: yeah and it's a it's pretty cool y'all's y'all and and i know this obviously firsthand but you know it's really cool the what y'all been able to do to help out uh charleston waterkeeper here they're a local nonprofit, and they do all sorts of amazing work from trash cleanups to, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. They're really short staffed. And so the money that Flood Tide writes, you know, strokes the check for them every year, but also uh, the amount of volunteer hours that y'all put in and and, and cleanups, but also, which is really cool is oyster reef restoration projects. So um, for those of you, you know, basically 90% of the oysters on the east coast are in decline. Like it's basically been 90% depleted. And so whenever you have oyster roast, they have a program with the South Carolina DNR where you can recycle those shells. So for example, Flood Tide had an oyster roast a couple months ago. We recycle those shells um, and then that'll go to create new oyster reefs because the oyster spat need the oyster. So you can't keep taking the shells out because the basically the 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 baby oysters have nothing to attach to. Mm-hmm. Um, so really cool that you know, basically through your business, you're helping to improve our fishery, which makes total sense for a a, a fishing brand. Um, and so anyway, it's just, it's just really cool to see. And I know that uh, working with Charleston Waterkeeper on some other projects, they're 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 really grateful. And I know you've done some other stuff too with in, uh, Galveston Bay Foundation and, and, and Oh yeah. Like that. yeah,
1: yeah, that was last year after we do that. Our big event every year is the Taylor's Ball which proceeds from the Taylor's ball, go to whatever benefit we're, we're working with, which is now Charleston Waterkeeper. Yeah. I think that year we did the Galveston Bay Foundation just because it was right after that hurricane. Yeah. And we were trying to kind of help them get everything kind of realigned and resorted out. And I think we sent them ten grand, which is so cool. Yeah. It's, I un- mean, it's unreal. It feels pretty cool to write a check for ten grand that it's going to somewhere that, Totally needs it.
0: Yeah, oh absolutely. Yeah. I mean so. it's 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 making a positive impact. And I think that's what the one percent for the planet uh just sort of gets points you on that path and then it's just kinda of like no looking back and you're like, yeah, why would we not keep doing this? Yeah. Um all right, so shift gears a little bit. I I I, I see these things on the interwebs. Uh yeah. What is Sprummer?
1: Uh uh-huh. Sprummer. Well, it, it it's it's what you call your line when your stuff's coming out a little bit later than normal. Okay. Uh usually it's a spring, usually it's a spring launch. Yeah. Well, we try to find ways to cover up our um inadequacies by uh by saying let's call it sprummer. And it's funny anyway, like I'd rather call it that anyway because it's a spring summer line. And uh and that's we're going with it. We're going to start calling it sprummer every season. And I think it's kind of funny anyway. And and also we we've added changed up the line a little bit this year. Typically we've just used cotton. And in a in a shirt it's a tri blend in general in the industry. It's uh, three parts different materials, and one of those materials is typically polyester. Yeah. Well, this year we're using recycled polyester with a with a fabric called uh, Reprieve. Yeah. And essentially, you're getting out of that one shirt in that 35% polyester, I think is what it is. You're getting four to five recycled water bottles. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge part of kind of the delay. Yeah. Because we decided kind of last minute to do it. And it's uh, something that's changed our story and changed the way we're thinking. And our cotton shirts that we're about to come out with, which are going to be 50% cotton, 50% reprieve yep as well so and then next fall we're going to sun shirts that are all reprieve awesome so essentially all of our products probably except for hats because i don't really think that's possible yet it might be possible in the future are going to have some sort of sustainability story within that product
0: yeah which is is really cool i mean the the reprieve fabrics so they're you know they're taking uh plastic bottles that would otherwise end up in a landfill um and they're recycling them, turning them into like they like melt them down, turn them into these pellets that I guess they melt again. I guess it's the process, and they turn them into fiber. And now they're making shirts out of it. And I know that, um, with y'all's cotton shirt, y'all are now USA grown cotton, I think, and made in USA. Yeah,
1: I think they're made up in North Carolina.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, in terms of a supply chain, um, footprint it's it's you know it, it's pretty small because you're you're manufacturing in, in north carolina you're growing the cotton in the carolinas i believe so oh, they like that oh they like that don't they yeah 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 um so it's really cool um that y'all are you know further authenticating that you know yeah it's great to be a one percent for the planet member but um you know how do we start to embed sustainability into our sales and marketing and from my experience Um, That is where most businesses fail and drop the ball on sustainability is they think it's a good idea and they're like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll give it a try. And they kind of half ass it and then they don't really see results. And so it just kind of sizzles away. Um, But what we've seen and me working with with Floodtide is, you know, you actually do see a reduction in your operational costs through like energy efficiency, And then if you market a story like 1% for the planet or uh, reprieve, that increases your top line growth, which is sales. So that's sort of the the secret sustainability sauce for brands that get it is to embed that into your sales and marketing because there's a growing number of conscious consumers um, that are looking to support brands that align with their values. And and y'all have done... I think an amazing job of staying authentic to who you are as a brand, but also, you know, being willing to put yourself out there and say, well, yeah, you know, we do give a damn. And, you know, this is just part of, you know, what we feel is the right thing to do. And, you know, that's, that's the way, this way it is.
1: Well, what's great, obviously with your help on all that, but what's crazy is it's not really that hard.
0: Yeah. It's pretty easy. Like you
1: make a couple of decisions and yeah, it's a little bit more expensive, but It doesn't really affect the end consumer that much, like as far as the price goes. But it's just, why wouldn't you? Like I want, I not even the reprieve side. Like it's great that it's made in the USA, and then a bonus is the fact that we're keeping some of those plastic bottles off water and land by throwing them in the shirt. Yep. Now, obviously, someone has to go out and do the manpower and the work to get those bottles and to get that trash and get that recyclable. But at the end of the day, it's really not that hard to make the decision who do that
0: yeah and 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 what's also super cool and again makes total sense for for any outdoor apparel brand is that you know they're, they're basically estimating not to be debbie downer about it but it's just what they estimate that there'll be more plastic by weight than fish in the ocean by 2050 which is crazy so yeah Y'all are on, uh, you know, I think the, the forefront of what we're going to see every other brand follow suit in the next 10 years is because there's an abundance of plastic that nobody knows what to do with.
1: Yeah, and especially a lot of these tech, these technical shirts, a lot of them are made from polyester. Right. And it's a breathable uh, material. And hopefully going forward, you're going to see more, you know, technical fishing shirts and that sort of thing and a lot more products being made from that mindset.
0: Yeah, and, and that was actually, that was something I was going to ask you about, too. I mean, what what are, what's on the...
1: Uh, wh- sorry, I'm sipping my Starbucks. Hold yeah, on, right. uh,
0: oh, okay, sorry, yeah. Um, what, uh, you know, so you got the Sprummer, you got some stuff coming out with fall. Um, anything else that you want let, to let let the people in on that uh, may be on the horizon? Um, yeah, you well, said some technical
1: fishing charts maybe. Hopefully next spring, yeah. That's yeah. the next plan we're going to start... Uh, you know, broadening our product diversity. Right now, it's, you know, it's pretty much T-shirts and hats for the most part um, because it comes from an art story. So T-shirts are the best way to deliver that message. Uh, But we want to start having more lifestyle shirts, button downs. Uh, We're going to have some shorts. Our shorts are coming back in June. Nice. The Hunley Hunley. (laughs) 2.0 featuring the crab embroidery. (laughs) But, yeah, so we're going to have hopefully starting – in June, just a slow roll of more diverse products. Cool. I mean, that's, you know, at this point, I want to do that. Like, I'm, I'm not saying I'm bored with being a t-shirt hat company, but it's exciting to think that we can be more of a lifestyle brand with those type of things.
0: Yep. So. Um, well, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, I think you're awesome.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. You stop. <laughs> you stop. Um, all right. Well, so we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up a little bit, but I'm going to do a a – a speed round here, oh, here before we go. So um, rapid fire favorite saltwater fish on fly.
1: Man, um, it's hard to get that GT out of my mind, but that's just not realistic. I could, you know, that's like saying the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow is like your favorite place to hang out. It just can't, it won't, may, may not have ever happened again for me. Right. So I'd still have to default to the permit. The permit. It's, he's, I mean, I just... He can drive me crazy the rest of my life, and I'm still going to – I love them.
0: Wait, speaking of ways, I just thought about this, so maybe not rapid fire. Um mm. uh, Aren't you going down to Mexico soon? Yeah, the, and two weeks that? from
1: Friday we do a trip every year to Palomino Club. Okay, cool. Ryan Griffin and I yep. kind of host it, and it's a great – it's such a cool place. So, yeah, uh, Dick and Kay aren't involved anymore, our friends, but it's owned by – a new guy, and it's. I heard it's going to be even bigger. Not bigger. It's only going to be the size that it is, but better. He's, You know, just, it's just great place. Cool. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. Um, what about favorite freshwater species on fly?
1: Brown trout. Brown trout, done. I mean, that fish could be a saltwater fish. It's just so aggressive. It hunts at night. It, it does everything you want a, a fish to do, and it eats little dry flies. Okay. It eats meat. It's it huge, so it's great.
0: So, are those also for your salt and freshwater fish species? Are those also your favorite to paint?
1: My favorite to paint is probably a tarpon. Tarpon. Yeah, it's just so it has these cool lines. So, it's like a robot. It's like this prehistoric creature. It's just such a cool, and they're usually flying out of the water. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, tarpon is probably my favorite thing to paint.
0: Nice. Um, all right, you have one fly uh to rule them all what do you what and and fresh or salt water it was just you're the last person on earth and you've got one fly to to use
1: well considering i've already done it the everglades special
0: (laughs) yeah i forgot about because i
1: have i did it for a full year (laughs) with just one fly and i caught like 24 species nice i didn't catch a permit on it but yeah everglades special by far special yeah Nice. I'm like, that's an easy answer. Yeah. I'm sitting over here just waiting for you to finish the question. Just
0: go ahead. Just ask me. Ask Everglades
1: me. Everglades special. You
0: ask me that question. I'll tell you.
1: I think you can look it up on Vimeo. It's like... I I, I completely forgot Well, what's that. funny is I sent the movie one time to... Oh, I think it's... I forget who it was at Orvis. But they had like a, every Friday they'd have like a little movie, best of film. And I, I sent it to him. He's like, Paul, it's a little long. It was like 30 minutes. <laughs> I was like, man, it's a whole year. I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. I caught I like
0: density year down to 30 minutes. Yeah. That's pretty
1: damn good. Yeah. But you can look it up a year of the Everglades special. I mean, I find it pretty entertaining. Yeah. But Hey, well, I'm sure you do. I'm kind of biased. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go.
0: Awesome. Well, um, well, Paul, I appreciate you uh, carving some time out for me. Um, always good to, uh, to catch up and really stoked to hear about all the, the good stuff happening over here at flood tide um is the new sprummer stuff up online is that yeah special? half of
1: it is I think we're getting the rest of stuff in like a week and a half two weeks
0: okay um, so visit floodtide.com I guess for anyone who wants to that's to, it to, to go and uh, make make a purchase one percent of your sale will go to an environmental nonprofit uh, like Charleston waterkeeper and uh, you'll also be able to um, I was on your website Doing a little little research, and I know that y'all have got a little green plastic bottle next to shirts that are, have the uh, recycled plastic bottles in them. So, um, if you want to support a, uh, a brand doing the right thing with some amazing designs, uh, head over to floodtide.com.
1: Rick, thanks for what you do, buddy. Yeah, you betcha. You're the man.
0: You betcha. There they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, damn it. <laughs> thanks again. I appreciate it, though. I, thanks I, for having I, me on. Absolutely. We'll see you, man. Thanks for listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. If you'd like to listen to more, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes.